Man, oh man. Take your Bibles now, open up to Philippians chapter 1. We have 30 seconds left. But I can squeeze 20 minutes out of it, so I'm going to. Paul is writing a letter of encouragement. And he's encouraging the church at Philippi both with who he is and his suffering. He's in jail. If anybody has a bad day, if anybody's having a bad time right now, Paul more so. And the more you get to know Paul, the more you understand what you were going through, you can relate to Paul. Paul had singleness of mind no matter what he lost, and he lost a lot. No matter what he suffered, and he suffered a lot. Paul had his mind set on things above, not on things below. Things below, man, are out of control. They're out of your control. They're out of my control. And the more you hang on to them, the more you grasp them, the more you wish for them to succeed and fulfill your wildest dreams, they don't. We are eternal beings having a temporary earthly experience. This is not what it's all about. Jesus actually warned in Mark chapter 8, careful, careful, careful. If you gain everything, you could lose your own soul. Careful, there's a lot going on here. And as people of faith and people of the Spirit, we need to trust in God, look to God, and we need to understand that no matter what's going on in your life, God knows what he's doing. Paul loved the church at Philippi so much. He loved them. There's hardly any correction in the book of Philippians. Maybe towards chapter four, Paul does identify two ladies. He says, hey, ladies, make sure to figure that out before I get there, you know. Make sure and let the division cease. But by and large, the church at Philippi was on fire and Paul was excited. You know what's crazy, though? Paul didn't even intend to start the church at Philippi. He had no desire to start the church at Philippi. If you remember the story in Acts chapter 16, Paul was trying to go north. He'd come from the south. He's like, let's go north. And the Holy Spirit said no. He's like, okay, let's go east. And the Holy Spirit said no. He's like, I came from the south. Can't go north. Can't go east. And if you look to the west, you know what he saw? Mediterranean Ocean. There's nowhere to go. Big sea, big problems. So you know what he did? He took a nap. I love naps. The Bible says he goes to bed and God gives him a vision, the Macedonian call of a homie saying, come over here and preach the gospel to us. So he wakes up from that nap, gets a vision, wakes his companions and buys a boat, rents a boat, and goes 150 miles to Macedonia. 150 miles is a short while or a long while? It's a short, it's a long while, man, by boat. And he gets there. You know what he doesn't find? A Macedonian man. None. Finds a bunch of ladies on the river selling purples and worshiping God and he leads them to Jesus Christ. And there's a revival that begins to happen there. It's not the way he expected. It wasn't even what he wanted. And even as he settled into Philippi, it continued to not be what he wanted or what he expected. You know the story, shortly after he was arrested, and he was in prison, and he was beaten, and he was bloodied, and he was put in the inner stocks, the very lowest parts of this dungeon. And he's there with Silas. And Silas is saying, join the ministry, they said. It'll be fun, they said, you know. And here he is laid out, bleeding on the ground, and Paul says, what do you want to do? He's like, I don't want to be with you, that's all I know, you know. And Paul says, let's worship. What? Let's worship. It's dark, it's dank, I'm bleeding. This is not what I expected, let's worship. I had a few people going through real trauma this week. Some believers, some non-believers, just walking with people in their valleys. And, and what I was telling to the believers is different than I tell non-believers. But what I tell believers, I say, hey, worship in the storm. There's nothing more powerful than worshiping in the storm. It's easy to worship when, the, when everything's right. Oh, it's my favorite song, yeah, you know. But when it's all jacked up, when it's all messed up, when your health is failing, when your marriage is taxed, when everything's foggy, everything's cut, when your bank account's not where it needs to be, when you're perplexed and you say, hey, 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 let's worship, let's press in, we're warriors. And you guys know what happened in that moment there in Acts chapter 16, they began to worship and light shone and shackles dropped and doors opened and prisoners were set free and salvation began to reign. 
crazy things. And here's Paul now, 11 years later, in another jail cell. He's like, I'm going to write to the church of Philippi. That place is so legit. Tell us why it's so legit. Well, because God would not be stopped. I didn't get there on my own terms. It didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And God still did what God is going to do. Did you know that life rarely goes the way we want it to? Have you figured that out yet? Have you figured that out? How many of you guys right now, you could, you could say, you know what, actually, about 75 years ago, I predicted this is exactly where I'd be, you know. No way. Even 75 minutes ago, you had no idea what was going on. Let me ask you a different question. How many of you guys are still surprised when your plans get ruined? Or when you get challenged? Are you, are you still surprised? Like, I had plans, you know. You want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. Well, I was thinking we'd do this and this. <laughs> Boring. And the Lord's going to do something different in your life. Let me say it, though. Okay, life's almost never what you thought, but it's always better than we planned when we simply give it to Jesus and trust him. You better figure this out. It's, it's almost never what you think, but it's always better than you thought when you give it to Jesus, even in the ugly stuff. Give it some time. Get to the other side. Get through it. Worship the Lord in it, and you will see that the Lord redeems it every single time. If it was just you, if it was just me, man, we'd just play our cards so carefully, man, we'd be on vacation 364 days a year, and, you know, everything would be easy. God says, nope, it's not how it's going to be. And Paul's in another jail cell right now. You think Paul was surprised when he got arrested and went to jail? Think he's ever like, what? This is crazy, you know? Think he was surprised when he was hated? He wasn't surprised. He wasn't confused when things got bad. He understood that this was part of the deal. It's actually supposed to be hard. James, Jesus' little brother, says rejoice in trials. How many of you guys are there yet? You rejoicing in trials? Anybody? Anybody there yet? I'm not there yet. Peter said, don't, he said, don't rejoice. He said, just don't be surprised. Don't be surprised as if some weird thing were happening. You have to be tested every single day. I told you why two weeks ago. I'll tell you again. That the faith that you do have is purified. Your faith's not pure yet. It's all messed up still. It's got some impurities. The only way your faith will become more pure is through testing. Just like gold. It's going to be heated up dross burned away not only will your faith be purified but it will be produced you're not going to get any more faith than you already have at all unless there's another giant in the way and this is another test another rep another round god's going to order for you it's got to be purified it's got to be produced but your faith also why are you going through tests right now because god is proving that jesus is real through your life i said this so many times i'm gonna say it again because it's important your non-believing friends you could preach scripture to them all day long. You know what they're going to say? I don't believe the book. I'm not a believer. I don't believe in your book. And I understand that intellectually. Do you understand that? Your friends don't believe the book. You know what they cannot deny though? The living epistle that is you. Your life. When you get hammered by life and you stand up strong and you give all glory to Jesus Christ. Your kids, Christ's haters, people on the outside, they'll see and say, that's crazy. What's, where do you get this from? Your faith will prove that Jesus is real. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't get saved outside of the gospel declaration. Okay, don't send me any emails. Send those to Toby. But God has sent you out as a witness. Let's just, let's just sit on that for a second. This is very important. Because I want Jesus to be proven, and I want the church to grow, and I want sinners saved. Okay, and I want the gospel to go out in power. And God says, it's all going to be backdropped and framed in in your life, Luke. 
It's your life. It's your test. You're part of the deal. You're the messenger. You're not the message. You're the messenger, though. And every time you get slapped, every time you get slugged, it's an opportunity for the faith to be proven. This is how it is. You think Paul was surprised when he was in jail? So fired up. Three hots in a cot. Here we go. If you laughed, I wonder about you. I'm just kidding, you know. What's three hots in a cot mean, Dad, you know? If you know, you know. Paul thought it's an opportunity. I'm going to minister to some people. I'm going to share with some folks. And we understand this. We understand that God's going to be able to do stuff. Now, let me just make sure I tie this in quickly before we do run out of time today. I want you guys to be encouraged that the church is on the move. Jesus is real. Okay, heaven is being expanded and built. Jesus is coming. All of these things you need to carry with you very closely in the rest of your life, however long it's going to be. As you understand this, Paul's going to ask us to do a few things, and we're going to cover this over the next two weeks in chapter 2. Let me just read it to you. I want you to see this. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, therefore, and I'm going to talk about that for a second if I have time. It's a connection to what he's already said. And then he gives four reasons before he asks us to do something. It's a very interesting way of talking. He's like, hey, I'm going to ask you to do something, but here's four things to consider before I ask you to do something. Therefore, and he gives the four things to consider, if there's any consolation in Christ, that's encouragement. If there's any comfort of love, that means everything's been changed for you. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, that means you're walking in relationship both upward and outward. And if any affection and mercy, that's totally contrary to the world he lived in. If all these things are happening, here's what he wants, here's what he wants. Listen, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than himself. And let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is crazy. I couldn't even wrap my mind around this yesterday. I spent all day just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Ten commandments, pretty easy. Some of the rules, some of the to-dos and the to-don'ts, pretty easy. Paul now doubles down in chapter two. He's like, hey, you saved? You good? You full of comfort, love, encouragement, and hope and fellowship? Are you, are you, are you? Then let my joy be full. Let this mind be in you. Esteem others better than yourself. Don't do anything out of vain, selfish conceit, but instead do it for others. Live for others. Don't live for yourself. Paul's in jail. He's suffering right now. He's seen the destruction that's coming from the Romans, and he's seen the division that can happen in the church. And Paul said, hey, 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 you want to make me happy right now? Pastor Paul, you want to do me a favor? You want my joy to be full? Love each other unconditionally. Serve each other better than you did yesterday. Have this mind in you. He uses the word mind three times, and if you're going to ch- use verse five, four times. It's a mind issue. It's a mind issue. It's a battle of the mind. You've heard this before. I'll say it again. You can't change your heart, but you can change your mind. God won't change your mind, but he can change your heart. And if you change your mind, God will change your heart. If your heart's wicked towards somebody, change your mind. And God will then have access to your heart, which you have no access over. Your heart's wicked and deceitful above all else. Who can know it? But if in your mind you say, yeah. I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to serve that person. I'm going to esteem that person better than myself. Paul's saying this from a position of suffering and difficulty where he should be introspective. He should be inward focused. He should be aware of his stuff. Let me just read to you a testimony that Paul gives to us because Paul couldn't be stopped. 
And one time Paul was on this prison ship and things weren't going well and he, wouldn't, he wasn't even a prisoner, he shouldn't have been, but he was and the prison ship crashed and it sank and everyone swims to the shore and Paul had warned the people of that ship, he said, guys, it's a bad idea, it's winter, we shouldn't be sailing right now. They didn't listen to him. And instead of being a know-it-all, Paul gets to the beach and he starts gathering firewood so he could warn people. No matter what was going on, Paul saw it through the lens of heaven. These people made a huge mistake. You know what I'm going to do? Serve them. That's radical. While he's serving them, he's grabbing all these bundles of driftwood, and he grabs this wood, and he throws it on the fire. You guys know the story. It's in Acts chapter 20-ish, somewhere around there. And he throws it in the fire, and a snake jumps out of the wood and grabs onto Paul's hand. And it's a poisonous viper. And Paul's like, what? And he shakes it off. Just shakes it off. Look to your neighbor and say, shake it off. Shake it off. Just shake it off. And you guys know the savages that lived on there? It says that the islanders were like, oh, 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 this is a bad guy. He must be a murderer on this prison ship, and he escaped the sea, but the gods are going to kill him through this snake. And they began to eat popcorn and watch him die. And Paul just made some firewood and just kept living. And they're like, oh, wait, he's not dying. Everybody dies with us. He's not dying. And they changed their, their, their view of Paul. They said, he must be a god. That's what, let's worship him. And Paul said, no, I'm neither. I'm not the bad guy you think I am, but I'm definitely not God. And he began to serve them. And the whole entire island of Malta, okay, after they served Paul some food, it was the first Malta meal in the scriptures, they, they served him. <laughs> Read the Bible. They served him and got saved. And it was all in the midst of suffering. And Paul wanted them to be saved. He tells us a little bit of his story in 2 Corinthians. I want you guys to hear this, and please understand my heart just a, just a little bit. We're going to unpack all this next week. Don't miss it. He says this in 2 Corinthians. He's talking about people who love Jesus. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, more what? More of a minister of Christ. And then he goes on. He says, in labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. Perils of robbers. Perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness. In toil. In sleeplessness. Often. In hunger. In thirst. In fastings. Often. In cold. And in nakedness. Last verse 28 of 2 Corinthians 11. He says, besides all the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. What? Paul's list was pretty intense. I mean, he's getting the short end of the stick everywhere he goes. He says, you want to know what really gets me, though? You want to know what really bothers me the most of anything? Being beaten five times with rods? Nah. Three times openly? Nah. Shipwrecks? Nah. Perils? Perils means dangers. Dangers everywhere I go. My whole life is hard. He didn't have a wife to go home to. He didn't have kids that would hang out with him. He was a loner. He says, my biggest heartache, though, is not all the stuff I have to endure, all the stuff I suffer. He says, my deep concern for the churches. And again, as a pastor, this was freaking me out last night. I was like, holy smokes, how do I teach this? Because I'm not, I'm not doing this. Let my joy be full. He's talking to the church at Philippi. You guys are believers? Do your pastor a favor. Okay, Paul, what do you need? Be like-minded. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in everything esteem others as better than yourself. You've got you to start with your mind about this because we're so prideful, aren't we? What if, you just, what if you decide that that's true? And let me help you a little bit. Did you know that every single person sitting next to you right now is better than you at something? Everybody. Every single person you're sitting next to you has a quality or a skill or an insight that's better than yours. And if instead of looking at your own stuff, which is not hard, if you chose to say, hey, tell me about yourself, what do you, what's, what's your gifts, what's your skill, and you listen, oh, instead of looking down at everybody, we'd all be looking up at each other. God has made us different. Don't worry about your strengths. Don't worry about what you're offering. Don't worry about your stuff. Look to seek and bless other people and find value in them. That's what he says to do. This is a challenge. He goes on to help us understand this in verse 5. He's going to keep going. Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in you. He's going to use Jesus as a proof text. If anybody should look condescendingly down upon people, it's Jesus. If anybody should come to the earth and put his laser beams on and just kill everyone, you know, wouldn't, shouldn't Jesus just kill everyone when he sees them? He doesn't. He becomes like them. A man. Acquainted with sorrows. Stricken with grief. He identifies with them. And he dies for them. If we want the church to walk in power, to be revived, to be a proper representation of Jesus, if we want our families, if we want the South Beach Christian School to raise up kiddos that aren't full of pride and, and ego, in selfish ambition, but that are on Christ's mission. Okay, it's got to start with us first, where we esteem others better than ourselves. Do you want to be powerful at work? Do you want to be powerful in Jesus' name at home? Do you want to be powerful on the block where you live? Do you want to be powerful? Do you want to be taken seriously? It's not about flexing harder and being bigger than other people. It's about getting under them and lifting them up. It is a secret of the kingdom of God to esteem others better than yourself and watch lives change. Ball. Man, I've been through a lot. But you know what I'm really worried about? The church. My burden is for the church. My burden is for others. That they would be well, that I would serve them. I wore this shirt like three weeks ago. I felt weird wearing it again today. Like, oh man, he's wearing the same shirt. He didn't do laundry. There's a little verse right here. It's Mark 10, 45. It says, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ, Paul the Apostle. It's an opportunity, 2022, and we're late, 2022, to let the church shine. Not in what we can get, not in who listens to us, not in our agenda, but in Jesus' agenda, in living for others. Okay, let it start with the people you live with. Try it. Just try it. Let this mind be in you. Change your mind and the Lord will change your heart. He will anoint you and empower you. Let's spend the rest of our lives doing this. You might not figure it out today. You might come into some conflict. But the Lord will anoint you and he will back your play if it's done in faith for his glory and for others' good. Anybody need help in this, need a miracle in this? Let's, let's pray and ask God to help us to do this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for, Lord, your promise to us that where your word, Lord, guides, your spirit provides, that if you tell us to do it, Lord, it's up to us to believe it, and that settles it. And if Paul would give us this instruction, hey, guys, let my joy be full now. Here's what I really want the church to do. Serve others, not yourself. He didn't say ambition was bad. He said selfish ambition was bad. Lord, I, take, I pray you take that ambition within each one of us and, and make it for others. Make it for their joy, Lord, and for your glory. 
And may we then find out of that comes our own joy. Lord, I pray for help in that in Jesus' name. I just repent, Lord, of all my brokenness, all the sin that's within, all the darkness that remains. Maybe you would with me just say, yeah, Lord, help me. Help me to be a better man of God, a better woman of God. This is a message for the church. It's a message for believers. Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you're not in fellowship with Jesus. You're not connected with him. You haven't given your life to him. And he says to you, I will take your sins and I will give to you my righteousness. It's the great exchange. You can be my son. You can be my daughter today. I forgive you if you would trust in me. If that's you, would you just put your trust in him right now? Just nod your head. Just move. Do something between you and him. Say, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. That's between you and him. Walk in that. And Lord, for the rest of us who are believers, I surrender to you. I say, would you forgive me of my sins, my selfishness, and my pride, my ego, and my vain attempts. And I thank you, Jesus, that you've called me and called us just as we are. And you haven't asked us to be perfect, but you have asked us to progress. And if you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you say, yeah, I I, want to be more loving. I want to be less selfish and and more selfless. Would you raise up your hand right now? Just raise up your hand and say, I want to do that. You're not making a promise, but you're saying, Lord, I need help to do so. Lord, my hand's going up to you in Jesus' name. Would you forgive me of my sins where I haven't been like you, Lord? I've been more like myself, more like this world. And I thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Lord, would you help us to model this to the kids, to teach it to others, and to give each other grace when we blow it. We love you so much. Thank you for this day. It's been kind of weird, to be honest. There's a lot of announcements. We're coming back at six. Lord, I'm gonna go baptize people and do a wedding. It's gonna be nuts. We love you. Thank you for the church, Lord, which is for your glory. And help us to walk in, Lord, that our joy might be seen amongst the people that don't yet know you. Lead others to you. We give this entire day and what you're gonna do in the future to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, amen and amen.